Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Collar Angst Podcast, where we dive deep into the realm of any and really everything blue collar. We're going to take a look at a wide range of trades and careers that range from welders and electricians to police officers and everything in between. The guests we bring on the show, the listeners, really essentially you, are the fuel that keep this whole thing going. With that being said, please enjoy and as always, like, subscribe, follow, do whatever it is that you do to stay up to date so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to another Blue Collar Inks podcast. Um, we've got a good topic for you today. We've got David here. Hey guys, what's up? And we're, we're going to go over a good topic that's near and dear to my heart. Um, it's something that I feel like I've seen in the blue collar trade a ton. And I think all of you probably have as well, all of you that have worked in it. And that's just, you know, the job shortage <clears throat> and the demeanor around blue collar work. It's funny because I, I think so many people look at blue collar workers and they just think, man, these guys are just dirty. I think that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But so, there's such this weird stigma. Um, you know, growing up, me and Connor, you, we're trying to think about what to talk about. And I, I think that there's so much disinformation that doesn't help people out. Looking at our lives, we're going to kind of break down our stories and how we kind of got into to the trades ourselves. And we're going to break down the price index, the consumer price index. And we're going to look at how it's changed and how there's a shortage right now in 2023. It, it makes me think of Fahir, our first episode he talked about, dude, there's no trucker shortage. And like the media is like, oh, there's this huge trucker shortage. But he said he had all these like DOT cards. Remember like those applications? Yeah. So we're going to dive into that and kind of see the real truth behind it from our research. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted to start us off maybe with the question and just see what you think. And maybe you can answer what your thoughts are on it. And I'll answer what mine are. And, you know, you as the listener, you can, you can kind of answer this in your own head. But the question is, is why do you think trades is seen as uncool or lesser than, than office or degree type jobs? What do you think, Coke? Dude, it's weird. I've had the, the chance. So I guess my background. So my dad worked for CenturyLink, uh, started his quest, uh, union, uh, CWA went to CenturyLink when they bought him out. Now he's for, he works for Lumen. And my mom was in real estate, like her whole career. So they both have kind of stuck in that. And they, they chose a job, they, they picked it, and then they stayed with it. And I've seen the benefits of both. So I think I got to see both kind of sides of the stigma. My dad, at first, uh, he was like out in the trenches, you know, putting in those green boxes we all see, digging up fiber lines and fixing them. And now he, he got a college degree eventually, you know, he worked his ass off to get it, get a college degree. And now he's, you know, in a different role with his company, a lot more cush, no more calluses on his hands, a lot more soft. So he's really a pussy now, but no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> but he's, a, he's a stud. He's, he's, I've seen that where it's like, he could have stayed doing the same path, but he really put in that effort with school. So, and, and this episode's not going to be like, screw college, you know, at all, but it's just going to be kind of exploring different people's paths. And like I said, like my mom with real estate, she's done well. She started her own business with real estate. And, uh, I, I kind of dabbled in that too. So I started, I did maintenance for apartments. Those were my first jobs. Um, 
right out of high school landscaping and then actually got to work on an army base in southern Colorado Springs, Fort Carson. And we, we were a subcontractor and we'd go in and fix the apartment units and the houses. And it's kind of cool to see, dude. So I, I started doing that and it wasn't a bad job, but it was just a rough environment. You know, I remember I'm 18 years old, we're on an army base, we're on a federal base and everybody in Colorado smokes weed. Um, even if they say they don't, they probably do <laughs> or they have. And we were, I was painting this one house with the painters, the painters needed help. And there's like a maintenance side to our, our operation and then a painting side. And I'm 18 right out of high school. And these kids are like smoking weed and they're just hitting it off this little baby pipe. And, uh, I wasn't smoking weed. I was like, dude, we're on an army base, you know, like we get drug tested and these, these units are like right next to freaking other people's houses. And one of the army wives, the, her husband was off, you know, at work training or whatever. She called the main contractor. He called my boss and my boss, dude, I'll never forget. I was upstairs. They were downstairs smoking weed. And I just remember hearing his diesel pull up and I was like, this isn't going to be good. And these freaking kids just straight up, he's like, they, they put their weed out, stunk like weed. And he's like, dude, let's go, you know, get back to the shop right now. So we're driving back to the shop. He drives separate and they're like, they pull out their weed because they know I didn't smoke. And they're like, you're going to take a hit of this weed right now because we're all going to get fired. <laughs> and I was like 18. I'm like, what do you, t- what's weed, you know? And uh, I didn't take a hit of it because I was like, dude, I'm not doing that crap. I don't want to get in trouble. But uh, I get back to the shop. Nobody got fired, but uh, we could have lost like our whole contract. So I, like that was my first, I guess, like dabble into working with like a whole host of different dudes. You know what I mean? Like working with like, I guess you can call them like that stigma, the rough and, and tough, do whatever you want. But then after that, you know, getting into cabinets and stuff, we can get into this later too, but it's a different environment, dude. Like for me growing up with that kind of like that real estate background and thinking maybe that's what I want to do, not knowing what you want to do, right? When you're young. But uh that's kind of my first start into it, dude. And like seeing the trades from that perspective was like, maybe I don't want to be a painter or a maintenance guy, you know? And that that's what kind of like it, people that talk to me outside of the show, when I talk shit, I always say stuff about painters. I'm like, they're the <laughs> they're, they're the dumbest of the dumb. And it's probably <laughs> because of those experiences I had. But uh not that painters are all dumb. That's just a a joke but uh yeah dude that's kind of my first start into it where I was kind of like man what do I want to do like having to take a step back and trying to figure out like dude do I want to just be you know the trade school stuff that we're going to talk about today I didn't even know that was an option right which I wish I would have but that was kind of my start into it but what about you man what was your yeah Yeah, it's it's kind of like you saw kind of what the you see what the a lot of people see from the outside right like they, they see the, I don't know, the rough, the tough guys, the guys that do whatever they want, kind of almost the dirty side of the trades guys that work. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, that's what they think when they think of trades, which, which is unfortunate because I work with a lot of really good guys, you know, clean guys, they care about the job, they work hard, but I think a lot of people see that. It depends. Huh? It, t- it totally depends though too, right? Like big companies, even I see it with like bigger companies that I've worked for and the smaller companies, but I feel like definitely the smaller the company, I guess not the, 
don't know how to say it right, but the caliber of people sometimes at the small companies doesn't really match like that bigger, you know, corporate mentality. Yeah, exactly. So for me, um, I was actually kind of lucky when I was in high school, we actually had a program where you could take, I think it was three hours of your regular school day and they would bus you to a trade school and you could spend three hours in a trade school, you know, learning either how to weld. Um, I think auto mechanics was one they did firefighting cosmetology, just some of these other trade schools. But you know what? Like, even when I was in high school and I would go to do that and I'd come back, my teachers, it would feel like they were like, that's lesser. You know, when I'd go to class, they would make it sound like, you know, trade school is lesser. Why would you do that? Connor, you need to pass this test so you can go to college and get a real job. That was stuff I heard a lot. Um, so for me, I didn't even really think, even though I went through the welding trade school, I never thought that that was a true option because they don't teach you the things like how much you actually make or how do you start in a trade? No one knows how to start in a trade, you know, like you, you have to go find a job and you start out as a grunt or whatever. And then they, you train, but no one knows how to do it. And I think that's why college is so easy because it's like, oh, well, I go to this thing, I start studying for it, I pay a bunch of money, and then, you know, I'm qualified when I get out of school. And I think that's maybe why it's such a big focus. But when I was in high school, I felt like I always was getting told that my trade that I was doing was going to be lesser. And I saw it that way, too. You know, I looked at myself like all of these people that I'm going to school with that are my friends that are super smart, they're going to be super successful. They're going to have a bunch of money. They're, you know, they're going to have these great careers and I'm not going to. And I was that way for a long time. I tried to push myself to go to school. I would go to school for a semester here and there and I'd hate it. You know, I, I, it's just not for everybody, but I thought it had to be for me, which is, which is funny. This is one reason that me and Coke are uh, such good, good friends. And I, and he's, he's such a good friend to me is one day I remember I was, uh, I was getting married and I was still trying to push through school. I was working some dead end jobs and I called him up and I was like, Hey dude, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't want to go to school. I can't work these jobs for the rest of my life. I don't know. And he's like, Hey man, come work for my company. And it was, it's a trades company. Um, it was building uh, still Joyce and girders and it was, you know, it was man's work, but it was something I was familiar with. And that was the first time that I ever saw that you could actually make real money doing a trade. And I, and I went and I made good money working at that company. Um, I've since moved on to another trades company in a utility world. But for me, that's, that was kind of where, where I, I saw that you could actually make trade, uh, money doing the trades. But it was funny because I didn't, I didn't learn that in school. I didn't learn that from the day-to-day -day person. I learned that from going and doing the trade. And I didn't figure that out till after I had gone in, put the work in, did the trade, learned the trade, got good at the trade, started making good money. You know, it, I don't know. It's just something about the, the world, the, the country that just teaches that trades are lesser. And I don't, I don't know what that, why that is. That's so interesting. You say that I think about, uh, I'm the same exact way as you, man. Like I heard about the, you know, the company that I still work for and, uh, you know, 
I feel like once you get one of those jobs in the trades that pays you really well, they have benefits, they have kind of a, I think once you get to a company like that, that's just, you're going to get good money. You're going to, you know, have vacation. That's something that going into, to, to, you know, working for, for this company I'm at now, I think working for, you know, reputable companies, bigger companies, that's the difference, dude. That's like the light bulb moment for, for me. And that's what Connor's talking about too. I worked for companies before that I was like, oh man, you know, if you take time off, you're not getting vacation, you know, uh, sick time, you don't go to work, you don't get paid, but then making that switch to a company that's going to pay you really well, take care of your family, uh, you know, give you that vacation time and the sick pay that kind of sets the standard. And even with Connor, you know, leaving and going to work for a power utility company, that's probably something in your mind that switched to where it's like, dude, I'm never going back to that, like mom, pop, you know, construction shop. Like there's so much, you know, bigger and broader companies out there that you can work for. And they're everywhere. It's just a matter of finding them. And we didn't find them until what I was 24, 25. I think, yeah, I called you when I was, yeah, maybe 24. And I was just like, dude, I don't know what the freak to do, you know? Um, <clears throat> greatest phone call I've ever made in my life. Cause I wouldn't have gotten the job I have now without the experience that I got when I was at Newcore. Um, the company I'm at is super competitive to get in. And so, but that, that's something about the trades, right? You have to cut your teeth. You have to, I think a lot of people, they want to skip that step. And that, and that's the reason, one reason they go to college, right? They, they're like, I don't want to do that. The crappy job first. I want to go straight into making my whatever in their mind, 90, a hundred thousand dollars a year, which isn't realistic at all. And they don't want to do the grunt work. They don't want to work in the, the crappy area. You know, they don't want to be the first guy down the manhole or the grind, the grinder and, or whatever it might be. They don't want to be that guy. So they're going to go to school and try to skip that step, which is, um, I don't know. I think that's kind of a pussy mentality, but that's just me, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting too. Like I think, so I know a few people, uh, you know, going to school that have graduated from school and then they're right out of a four-year degree that you would think, man, they're going to make damn good money, you know, a four-year college degree. And they're making like 60 grand a year, 70 grand a year, not knocking on that path at all, you know, cause that's everybody's path is different. Um, the one thing I think that sets, both paths apart. And we've talked about this before. It's like the consistency, right? So you're not switching jobs. Um, Connor brought that up a few episodes ago, you know, not switching jobs and trying to you know find your fit, but really getting in with someplace and sticking it out. And, you know, the employer recognizes that and your bank, I can speak to that dude, like switching jobs, going from, you know, maintenance to cabinets to, you know, I've worked a lot of different jobs and, you can't build that consistency in your bank account either when you're not having a consistent kind of, I guess, path in your work, work career. Right. Well, and, and I think it's probably this way in most places, but especially in trades, and maybe that's just because what that's what I know is every year you're there, usually the more you're going to get paid, right? Like they have, the longer you're there, the more you're going to get paid. And if you continue to transfer from job to job, um, you're always going to be at that beginner's pay level because you're a beginner in every single time you move, unless you stick somewhere for a while and gain the experience and then move, right. And take that experience as maybe a, a welder or, um, <clears throat> let's say, uh, 
a rigger or an assembler or a, or a pipe fitter or whatever might have you. Um, but you have to put that time in. But if you keep transferring, you're never going to get that. What do we call it the other day? Be that guy that's got, you know, the feather in the cap or whatever yeah. um, that the guy that the companies want. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's funny too. You're talking about that. It makes me think, you know, the company that I still work for, uh, the more training, the effort that you want to put in, like I, I see all these videos on, on Facebook and Instagram, like Western welding Academy, which I think is awesome. They're like throwing it out there. Like, dude, to the younger generation, like, Hey, if you guys like welding, you're interested in this, come join, you know, like even I saw a video yesterday and they were sharing about, uh, you know, like we, you could throw your, your cost of living and your, your housing. Cause they have like little dorms out in, uh, I think it's Gillette, Wyoming, uh, Western yeah, welding yeah. Academy. And dude, they, they have, you can bundle that into your, your cost of tuition. So like you can go there, like it's a, they're trying to make it in my opinion, as easy as possible for, for younger guys and, and girls to get in the trades, which is pretty cool. Cause dude, growing up, I mean, Facebook was newer when, uh, you know, when I got it back in high school, but now it's like, dude, there's so much information out there. Like if I was 18 looking at a video like that, I'd, I'd honestly probably be like, Holy shit, dude, maybe that's an option. So it's yeah. cool to see that a lot of different companies, they're adjusting and they're adapting, but there's options out there for younger kids and even, you know, adults that are in a career that they don't necessarily love. Yeah. I love, I love that Western welding Academy, man. I follow them too. They're, they're awesome. And they, I love that they go by, you know, and they, uh, one of the things they do, if you guys haven't, aren't familiar with their, uh, their platform, but basically they teach kids to weld from scratch. They say, you don't need to know how to, how to weld. When you come to our school, they teach them how to weld, how to fit and all that. And then one of the things they do is they go by all the booths as the kids are learning how to weld pipe or, or whatever it might be a joint welder or a lap welder, whatever it is. And they ask them, what do you think you're worth? And you know, the kids, it's funny. Cause it's like, I see that mentality that I had when I went into the trades, it, it was like, Oh, the best I'm going to do is $20 an hour. The best I'm going to do is $15 an hour. And they come in and they say, what do you think you're worth? And they look at their welds, you know, and the, the kid says, almost always, it's like, oh, I don't know, $15 an hour. I don't know, $20 an hour. And they're like, well, how about $35 and $100 per, per diem? And these kids are like, you know, their little eyes are like, what? 35 bucks an hour? And, you know, and some of them, they're like, yeah, this, man, you're $45 an hour. I, you know, I know you can make that with, with these welds. And these kids' eyes light up like, whoa, like that's a bunch of money. But that's, that's the reality is welders that can weld well that's that's a that's a good little rhyme welders that can weld well <laughs> well uh will get paid well they get may make good money and it's that way with every trade right which is funny this is a this is a good time maybe to come into one of the things i wanted to talk about and uh if you guys don't know who mike Rowe is he's the he's the guy that started that show dirty jobs and he's a big advocate for this um, topic. So if you haven't, go listen to him. He's awesome. I, I love Micro. He's super down-to-earth guy, as all trades guys are. You know, he's, he loves this country, and he's all for the blue-collar work. And, you know, he thinks college is, is a scam, which it, it is. Um, but one of the things he talks about that I thought was super interesting is he said, you know, go to any top 20, top 100 list of colleges and and on there won't be a single trade school. 
Now go and look up any the top jobs in the country and not a single one of those will be trades jobs. And that just goes to prove, you know, kind of the point we're trying to get across is that this country has a, a narrative of trade school is lesser, you know, um, trade jobs are lesser. And they show that there. If I'm a kid in high school thinking about going to college or going into a trade school or, or trying to find what to do with my life, what am I going to do? I'm going to go on Google and I'm going to type in best jobs in the country. And all you're going to see is a nurse, which is a great job. My wife's a nurse, a dentist, uh, you know, a computer analyst, a software analyst, whatever it might be. And they're going to think, wow, yeah, these trades jobs, they might, they're lesser. You know, they're, they're not even going to see that in their mind. And so they're going to, that's what they're going to go do. They're going to go take out $80,000 in a student loan to go to school to make $60,000 a year once they graduate is what they're going to do. Dude, it goes back to what you were talking about at the very start where it's like in high school, like almost feeling dumb, you know, like from these yeah. teachers being like, ah, oh, you should probably go to college. And I got the same exact thing. You know, I, when I got married, I, I went to college for a semester and I did, I did pretty good. And uh, I'm actually in college right now, which I don't know. I just finished my last semester. I got like, I have like a 3.7 GPA, which for me is really good you know i know you're like yeah I'm, I'm pretty dumb <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh yeah dude, i'm sitting there looking at some of the different things with my degree what i can get and i'm like i'm at that point where it's like reevaluating where it's like dude is it really worth it you know what i mean and uh i think it's interesting too to to you know i look at some of the the ideas floating around uh the college that i go to and some of the teachers from my high school and it, it's like these kids and these youth or these young adults, I guess you could call them, you know, you're taking, you're taking advice from people that are making 45, $50,000 a year, you know, like in, in high school, I was doing that. I was like listening to these people, this guidance counselor, that's making 50 grand a year with all this college debt and telling me that I need to go to college. And I'm like, dude, like, and at that time I couldn't see that. I didn't know. I, all I knew was that they had a car and they had decently nice clothes from Goodwill, you know, at school. Yeah. But like, I wish I would have known then like, Hey, and my dad tried to push that hard. And I was, I was a stubborn kid. A lot of that's on me. My dad, dude, he was like, dude, go, go get an electrical, uh, go get in the electrical field, go, go to a trade school. But all that friction from like school. And then like you said, dude, just Googling it. And you're like, what the hell do I do? But the yeah. sooner you start, like, that's, what's cool about Western welding Academy too, man, is if you look at the students there, there's some older people, but for the most part, it's like just young redneck blue collar you can just tell good you know salt of the earth type students and yeah. the instructors too are just are pretty badass yeah they're down to earth they're super cool guys <clears throat> like one of the videos i watched on was like the guy was like if you don't love america don't come to this school if you don't yeah. you know if you're not willing to work that. 12 hours a day come to this school if you're not willing to you know what i mean take some criticism don't come to the school and i'm like yeah let's go. That's what we need. You know, that's what we need in this country. We've, we've all, we've got too many people that are pampering these young kids and that we're not teaching these kids how to work hard. Dude, we should get, uh, I forget, I forget what his last name is. Uh, Danny Kremberling that he used to be like the main dude that was like doing the social media. He has the big red beard. 
We should get oh, yeah, him. Yeah. We should get him on the show. So he had an ATV accident, and he's like quadriplegic right now, but he's still hustling on the side. Like he's still trying to weld. Like he has like little mitts on his hands because his hands, after the accident, they like curled in like an eagle uh-huh. claw. And uh, but he's still hustling. We should get him on. That'd be he'd have some damn good perspective, man. Yeah, we should. That'd be a good one. That'd be good. I'm gonna jump back real quick. <clears throat> Just throw out a few, you know, fun facts so I sound a little smarter than I am. Um, but here's some, here's some statistics on, uh, like student loan debts. This is the average federal student loan debt is $37,000 per borrower. Private student loan debt is $54,000, $54,000 per borrower. The average student borrower is, is over $30,000 to pursue a bachelor's degree. A total of 45 million borrowers have student loan debts and 92% of them have federal debt loan debts. So I mean, like they, they've made it to where you can't even hardly go to college and not take out student loans. And part of the narrative I think in this country is the fact that the people that run this country know how much money they're making off of college and loans and and these, and these young kids. And so it's push, push them that way. You know, how often do you see, you know, on the news, anything about a job that's blue collar, that's good, you know, never. And a lot of that I think is due to pushing these kids, these younger generation to go to school. So people up top can make their extra cash. And, and that's my personal opinion, but I think that's a lot of what's going on. Dude, I think, you know, we mentioned, Connor mentioned Mike Rowe earlier. And I remember growing up watching Dirty Jobs on the Discovery Channel. And that was like my, honestly, that was like one of those things where it's like, oh, I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to be a, I remember a couple episodes were like window scrapers, like cleaning the windows on the high rise buildings. I'm like, can't do that. And then there was a, uh, a dude that cleaned up like the, uh, Ah, crap. What's it called? The, the poop facilities, like the water treatment plants. And he had to go in and clean the tanks and stuff. He really dude, like you said, Connor earlier, he just, he's kind of one of the only dudes. And I think he pioneered this. He kind of started this whole conversation that we're seeing kind of get a lot of fire under his butt right now that we're talking about, but he started this conversation and, you know, he's one of those guys that I don't know if he has a college degree or not, but he's, he's so blue collar and he's so articulate in his message, which is kind of like those stigmas where it's like, Oh, blue collar guys are dumb or at a uh, dirty hands, clean money. Oh yeah. Like anything that supports blue collar, I think is, is cool though. Cause I know I see hats like that floating around and I'm just like, I wonder what he does, you know, like it starts that kind of conversation. It's like kind of getting more exposure out there. So one of the things maybe I, I kind of wanted to, to talk about was, the difference between going into college and going um, into an apprenticeship in college, as we, you know, we just read, you're going to go 92% of people going into college are in student loan debt. 92%. That's an outrageous number. Now let's look a little bit. Um, I just looked up a trade that I know a lot of people know about, and that's a lineman. If you don't know what a lineman does, they're the guys that, you know, climb the telephone poles, fix the power lines. They're the guys out during a storm when the power goes out. It's a rough job. It's a dangerous job, but it's an awesome trade. And there's a lot of demand for it in the U S right now. So the way 
an apprenticeship works is if you go into an apprenticeship, they start to pay you to learn the job. So you're not paying to learn the job. They're paying you so they can train you, which is like amazing. So some of the, the statistics that I was looking up for, for line, the line jobs are um, the hourly late for an apprentice in the United States ranges from $16 to $32 an hour. And this is a little bit outdated. So I bet it's, it's more now. I bet it's more like $25 to $35 an hour. Um, at my company, I know when they a first-year apprentice makes like $34 an hour or something like that. It's pretty dang good. And then you just build from there. Um, it says the average lineman apprentices, apprentice will make $57,000 in Maryland, $54,000 in West Virginia, and $54,000 in California. <clears throat> so I'm like, 54 grand to go to school, right? There, you're not in 50, $54,000 in debt. You made $54,000 just to go to school and, get, and to learn how to do your trade. Like that, that's a huge difference. And that's the mentality yeah. though. Like some people look at that and they're like only 54,000. I thought you said they make good money. It's like, dude, that's to get trained that's to start. get to your good rate. You know? Yeah. That's your bottom, bottom dollar. You're probably going to make is $54,000 a year. So an electric, I looked up with an electrical lineman as is after you finish your four-year apprenticeship will make between $42,000 or $104,000 making the top per 80. That top 86% will make $231,000. I know that our linemen at my company are making quite a bit closer to that $230,000. You know, that, that's real money for a job that you got paid to get trained on. Like in my, in my opinion, it doesn't even compare. I get it. I get it. it college you get to sit in an office or you know you get to analyze as a computer but realistically the amount of money you're going to make doing those jobs isn't what you think it's going to be it's probably going to be closer to fifty thousand dollars a year you know even even the great jobs you know my, i got a brother he's an engineer and i don't know exactly what he makes he makes good money now he makes really good money now but um when he got hired into my same company he was only making like $60,000 a year or something like that, which is what a first year apprentice for a line crew makes. So like the comparison is, is just kind of crazy. You know, he, he, he took out student loan debts. He worked four years to go get this degree and he started where a first year apprentice started and he probably makes as much as a lineman now, you know? So it, it's, it's rel- if you look at it parallel, really, who's on top in the end. Granted, he gets to sit in a, uh, an AC office and the lineman's out there climbing a pole, but you can make a great living doing these trades jobs, man. It's pretty freaking nuts how much money you can really make if you put the time in and the work. Dude, for this, uh, for this episode, I, I looked up lineman stuff too, lineman rates. And uh, there's a lot, not just one company, there's a lot of companies. And it was like $15,000 sign-on bonus because that's how bad they need linemen right now. And then their hourly rates were like, no joke, $48 an hour to like 60. So it's like, you think about that, dude. And it's like, that is insane. And then something I wanted to kind of touch on too, you know, we talked about Western Welding Academy. We're talking about linemen. I know friends of mine that have gone to like a lineman school 
And one in particular that I really want to get on the show, he travels around and just a super cool guy. You know, he, he went to a, a lineman college and it was a total career shift. You know, he worked with me at a cabinet shop, kind of the same thing that with me and Connor, you know, we were both at this crappy job and then we're like, dude, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't want to do this job though. And then I got a job at a cabinet shop and I'm like, Hey man, you want to come to a cabinet shop? We're going to make, I think we made 12 bucks an hour in uh shit. What was it? 2016 and 12 bucks an hour. Then I was like, I'm rich. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And now at 12 bucks now, I am like, how the hell did, how did I do that? You know, that's what I think. But, you know, he went to cabinets then he went to a firefighter academy and did the firefighter route, got hired on. And after that, he's like, dude, like this is, it's, I, I don't know if it's not what he thought, but it wasn't maybe his passion. You know, he wanted to make that good money and he took a total, you know, different route. And I don't know why I'm curious on, on why he did but it's obviously been a good thing for his family. He went to the lineman college and then now, you know, being hired on with, uh, with his company, he travels all around and, but there's options out there for people, which is cool. I just think it's about information because I didn't know about, I didn't know about anything really kind of like Connor's aha moment. He talked about with, you know, working on the Joyce and girders. Once you get that moment, it does definitely kind of change your, your path a lot. So it's cool to see, like I said, my buddy, that's alignment. It's cool to see how he's really done well for himself. Like, it's not like there it's a dime a dozen for these jobs. You can find these jobs and it's not just one, one here or there. There are thousands and thousands of these jobs out there that people can get. Um, do you have some t- statistics on those Coke? So looking at it, so this is according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. This is a, as of April 2021. So kind of going back to that high school, that young uh, labor force participation. So the rate for that age 16 and older was 61.7% with a total of 161.5 million people in the civilian labor force. So, but in terms of like the age and the demographics of that, the largest age group in that workforce is ages 25 through 54. So that makes up approximately 66% of the workforce. The 55 and older age group is the second largest. They make up about 23%. But yeah, those, the 16 to 24, uh, really that like, you know, you're trying to understand what you want to do. That's the smallest. I think COVID definitely had a lot to do with that. So in 2020, so when it comes to just participation of like high schoolers in that job market, the numbers kind of fluctuated, but they did go down. So it was 34.1% um, in 2020, which was down from 43 per, 43.1% in 2000. So it's it's kind of worth noting that high schoolers, they, they usually make up a pretty big portion of the workforce in the summer months, but 5.3 million 16, 24-year-olds were employed in 2019 in those, in those kind of entry-level, you know, hospitality, retail, food service jobs, which it's kind of interesting. We talk about this is, you know, me and Connor were talking about minimum wage. Those jobs are just, you know, these entry level jobs, they're trying to get paid. Like they're like a skilled worker job. Like I said, a little bit ago, working 12 bucks an hour doing cabinets. I worked there for a couple of years and I got up to 16, which even then dude. So what's that 2018 making 16 bucks an hour. I switched to a bigger company because I was like, dude, I have to make more money. There has to be other options and they sometimes are tough to find, 
it's just funny that, you know, I was cool with, and I'm sure Connor and so many listeners were too, like thinking about it, like, dude, I used to make this much. And now people are trying to make this much to make a, a, a burger. I've always just thought this to myself too, like McDonald's for me or like fast food has never been an option to work at, you know, and that's not knocking fast food people. Like I know there's uh, training programs that like these companies where they like take a dude that has, or a woman that's has a lot of uh, ambition. They have like manager training programs. And if you do that, that's cool. But the, to try to like sit there and make like an entry-level job like that worth more, I think all that does is hurt the market really at the end of the day. Yeah, hundred percent. When I, when I was in high school, I worked at a, like a country club type place. And I was just like a maintenance guy. Like I mowed the lawns, I fixed the sprinklers, you know, I, I set up for events, whatever they needed me to do. And I was making $7 an hour and I'd, I'd work like all summer. I'd make like a grand, you know, but now, yeah, we have these, these kids, this new generation coming up, which is partially my generation, you know, and, and then the newer, newest generation coming up and they're, they're wanting $20. Yeah. To flip a burger. You know, they're wanting all this money to do such a minuscule job when really you're, you should be getting paid for your knowledge and your skill versus just making the money, you know, that, because if you up, up the minimum wage dollar, not only does that hurt the small businesses, but it's going to hurt your, your upper class, or I guess the guys that it's going to raise the dollar amount, right? Which is going to hurt everybody in the end of the day. Looking at the federal minimum wage rates. So 1938, uh, the United States passed the Fair Labor Standards Act, which is what kind of set forth this like, hey, if you're going to work, this is the minimum that you're going to make. So I won't go through every single date uh, year after year. But so October 24th, 1938, when it was when it became uh, law, the, the minimum wage was 25 cents in 1938. So then you go up to 1950, 75 cents, uh, 1956, a, a dollar. Then you go, you know, 65, 67 in that Vietnam era, a dollar 40. So then you, you jump into the eighties and I've heard, you know, my parents talk about this, like the eighties, late eighties and nineties in the eighties in January 1st, 1980, it was $3 and 10 cents, uh, minimum wage. And then it didn't hop up again until 1990 when it became three dollars and eighty cents, and then four seventy five in 1996, and then they finally broke the five dollar plane in September first, 1997, and then seven twenty five, which in my head, just because that's right around the time I started working, seven twenty five. That was like the standard minimum wage that I grew up with, where I was like, oh, this is what you can expect at a minimum, and it's just crazy to see it go from like, no, we need to do seventeen, you know. I've heard politicians say, um, I can't remember who said it, but they were like, oh, nobody can working a minimum wage, a minimum wage job can afford a two bedroom apartment nowadays, you know, just off of their minimum wage. And I hear that and I'm like, no shit. That's why you got to find a better job. That's why these are like high school jobs that need to be filled by high schoolers. You know, no high schoolers happen to get a two bedroom apartment. You know, they're living with their parents or you're going to college and you have to work in college, right? You can't live off your student loans. You have to work your ass off in college too, unless you just pull all your loans out, which is in my opinion, kind of dumb, um, max out your loans. It's just crazy, dude. It's crazy to see that disconnect. And like this idea from the government where they're, you know, it's a good thing, right? Like to have a standard minimum, 
but at the same time, uh, it's, it's really hurt the trade workers. I think, like I said, making 16 bucks, installing custom cabinets, you know, all over, you know, Utah, Idaho, and then to hear that some kid just wants to go show up and not put that effort in and make 17 or 20 bucks an hour. It's like, dude, that's, it just, it seems like a lazy mentality to me. It's entitlement. Yeah. It's entitlement. What it is. It's, there's something going on with the generation where everybody feels entitled to make money wherever they want, or that they're entitled to be able to do whatever they want, right? Like speed down the road and they not get pulled over and not have a, a consequence for that. It just seems like the entitlement in this country has gotten ridiculous when those jobs like you're, we're talking about weren't ever meant to be career positions. They're not built that way. They're not supposed to be career positions. They're supposed to be a, maybe a learning or a position of where um, you decide what you're going to do or where you want to go in that company. You know, yeah, you can make money in fast food, but not as a cashier, right? You can, you can get into management or whatever, like you were saying. Um, but those jobs weren't meant to be a career position. They never were. That's why they're minimum wage, right? Yeah. I was going to say with that, dude, the, the entitlement that, that you're talking about, there was a guy, we took my little girl and, and her cousins to a, a McDonald's with the play place. And, you know, they just wanted to go to the play place. I remember doing that as a kid thinking it was so cool. And all the workers, except for the manager, were just lazy as shit. And the manager, dude, like just to, to make an ice cream cone, I kind of watched him for a minute. He like, he was the best at making that ice cream cone, you know, it was just a different mentality. And it's like, I honestly respected him. You know, some people would be like, oh, you're just a manager at McDonald's in some random town. But it's like, dude, he, he puts in that effort, which is cool. You know what I mean? And I just think we're losing that in some of our kids. Something I want to talk about too, uh, just to kind of segue into this. So the employment cost index for private industry wages and salaries. There's a graph. We're going to share this on our, our social media sites because it's pretty interesting. So it's going to look at the rebased CPI, the nominal ECI, and the real ECI. Um, so I'll just explain what those are really quick because I didn't know. I had to really... I knew what the CPI was, the consumer price index, but what that is, it just measures the changes in the price in a basket of goods and services uh, that consumers typically purchase. Uh, sometimes it's necessary to update the basket of goods to better reflect current consumption patterns. When this happens, the CPI becomes rebased, which means that the index is adjusted to reflect the new basket of goods. So that's what a, a, the CPI, when we talk about that consumer price index. So nominal ECI, and ECI is the employment cost index. This measures the changes in wages and benefits for employees. So what's interesting about the ECI is this doesn't reflect the inflation rate. So this is just strictly wages and benefits. And then the real ECI, it does take into account inflation. So when you guys are looking at this chart on our social media, you can see the rebate CPI, our consumer price index, and then the nominal employment cost index. Oh they're right. They they're look growing, like they're matching right? they're decently. But then once you take into account the real employment cost index, which takes into account the inflation, it is just, it's grown a little bit, but it really hasn't done anything at all. So you can just see as, you know, as, as the years have gone on, it goes from 2005 to 2022. And I'm sure we'll see, see the same thing in 2023. You can just see those lagging indicators show that, you know, inflation is really just tanking all these wages 
which is, it's a tough place to be. I mean, Connor mentioned it in one of our first episodes. Uh, you know, you making, you're making $30 an hour. Now a price price of a gallon of milk is three fifty, And then a year later, you're making 30, $30 and 50 cents. And the price of a gallon of milk is four fifty. You know, it's really, you didn't really get a raise. And it's just one of those things that I think is important that, that people understand no matter where, no matter if you're in college or if you're a, uh, you know, in the trades, I know those are big words for me. I had to look up what they all meant, but <laughs> no, that's a great, that's a great segue kind of to talk about. Um, yeah. Like the question is, is, you know, is this shortage for trades workers getting in any better? And the answer is no, it's not. Um, maybe we're getting a little bit more interest in those trades jobs, but due to the baby boomer generation, um, there was a lot of people that went into trades that were in the baby boomer generation. And those people are at the point where they're retiring and they're leaving the trades. They're leaving the companies that they started that were trades companies They're leaving the, you know, the companies they worked for that were trades companies and they're leaving a lot of jobs behind. Um, so hopefully, you know, something that me and Coke wanted, wanted to do with this podcast was what, you know, raise some awareness of, what a blue collar job is and what it, what it can do for you. There is opportunity out of this world right now when it comes to blue collar work and making real money. Um, and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger um, with this baby boomer generation leaving. It's interesting, man, to think about it. So this is straight from the, the feds. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics but employment in the construction field is projected to grow 8% from 2019 to 2029 to add about 864,700 new jobs. So that's a major increase. So, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of stuff out right now, kind of like Connor saying, uh, I don't think it's all doom and gloom, right? Like there's so much misinformation out there, but when you really look at the numbers, you know, considering that there's going to be a big increase and look at like uh, the critical infrastructure bill that was just passed, that that's going to breed a lot of opportunity for the construction market too. Yeah, you can, I can see this, you know, even in my own company, <clears throat> we talked about the linemen and how much a lineman can make. And my, my company pays especially linemen, but just trades workers in general, it, especially well. We, we had, I think somewhere around like 15 apprentices up jobs open up this year. And they had like, I think like 12, people applied for it and then to get the apprenticeship they send them through an orientation which is just basically to see if they can do the job and during orientation they have them climbing poles and digging holes or whatever they have to do they had like eight guys drop out so like i mean you can see it across the board like even my company it's like we're gonna pay you if you can get through this apprenticeship and do the work we're gonna pay you two hundred thousand dollars and they can't even get people to sign up for it. And the ones that are, are dropping out. It's just, that, yeah, there's just something with the generation not wanting to work or do, do the tasks that they need to do to get, get a good job. I think the tough thing with that, dude, you made me think of this. So I know a couple of people from, uh, you know, different States, but uh, Colorado in particular, where with COVID all this COVID money that kind of influxed into the market so you had, you had your unemployment benefits and I can't remember what the law was with COVID, but the, the feds passed something where you could get an additional amount. So you could like double your unemployment. 
So you had people and it lasted for like a year. At first it was like, it's just a three month thing. And then you could just keep renewing it. And I think it lasted in total a year. So I knew people that weren't working. They're making more money off their unemployment. And some of that still applies just off unemployment. But with this COVID stuff that I'm talking about, they legit were making like $1,500 bring home a week, you know, 15 to 16. So it's like, are we incentivizing the, the right thing? Like if, you know, my whole idea on like that, that social welfare program, like if you need it, you need it. Right. I guess my views though, like I would never want to have to, I think it's good that we have those, but I do think it's definitely abused. You know, like the people that I know that did that, they were totally able to work, but they were just like, why the hell would I work when I could make 1500 bucks, 1600 bucks for a year and just have a vacation, you know, and just go do whatever the hell I want. And, uh, I, I saw that happening and I wasn't jealous, but I was like, damn, dude, like, how's that even an option? Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. So just in closing me, and Connor just wanted to kind of put this out there for, you know, if you're looking for uh, a trade school, you know, we mentioned Western welding Academy. Uh, there's so many schools out there, two-year trade schools, um, some six-month programs, um, different things, different options for people. But we just went to Forbes, uh, and they had the top schools, top trade schools in the nation, in the United States. So I'm just going to read a couple of them off. You know, the cool thing, looking through this list, um, they're available everywhere. And, and they're, there's, there's school opportunity and federal aid um, that these schools are offering that you know, you, if you can't afford that, you know, the, the trade school, you can just like college, you can get a loan out. But a lot of these programs like Connor and I've talked about today, you can get paid um, while being in an apprenticeship and things like that. But just a couple, uh, the Pittsburgh Institute of Aeronautics, that's in West Mifflin, PA, uh, the North Central Kansas Tech College in Beloit, Kansas. I probably said that wrong. Beloit, uh, State College, State Technical College of Missouri, that's in Lynn, Missouri, uh, Lake Area Technical Institute, Watertown, South Dakota, Lancaster County Career and Tech Center, Willow Street, PA, uh, Carolinas College of Health Sciences, Charlotte, North Carolina, Mitchell Tech Institute in Mitchell, South Dakota, and then the Salina Area Tech College in Salina, Kansas. There's a ton in Pennsylvania, Thaddeus Stevens College of Technology in Lancaster. But I mean, there's you look it up and there's so many, I know, you know, I live in Utah right now and there's, there's a handful of them out here. You know, Connor, I'm sure you've seen them in Arizona. I know they're in, in Colorado and um, all across the West coast and, and the East coast, but there's options for people out there to get into it and, and really better their life. I think the one goal that me and Connor have always had with this podcast is just share information and, you know, get honest stories from people and, you know, I've learned a lot from all of our episodes and, you know, we've gotten a lot of comments from our listeners of, I've never thought about it that way, or, you know, that is a good career option. So just, you know, I think the one good thing too, to mention here at the end, I think my parents did a good job at it, even though I didn't listen, you know, parents making it available for their kids helping them understand, you know, they're going to have static at school and through their friends, but uh, there's options out there to make good money and, good money right away if you're willing to put in that effort and sacrifice and so just parents and and us you know all of us we can sit there and share the stuff with our the people we know in our in our circles you know and if you're working a trades job right now that you hate there's options out there for you too there is more than enough jobs to move and go find a job that you like um 
there's a shortage for these blue collar jobs all over the world. So if you want to move to Texas, move to Texas, there's jobs there. You know, if you want to move to Pennsylvania, move to Pennsylvania, there's jobs there. Um, and there's opportunity out there for sure. You just have to be man enough to take it. We, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, you know, next week we have a pretty cool guest that we're going to release. And, uh, you know, our guest for next week is going to, he's actually an army vet. That's a mechanic and he works for waste management uh, out on the East coast. So it's pretty cool. I'm excited to see, you know, and, and share his experience with, with everybody. And, uh, it's going to give us some good perspective, but as always, uh, as you guys like and share this with your friends, uh, we're getting a lot of good feedback and, and we appreciate all the, all the comments. Yeah, guys, the greatest way to, uh, get people involved is through referrals. So if you have a friend, you know, that you work with, that's a blue collar guy, tell them about it. If you have a, a cousin, a brother, a sister that might enjoy the podcast, share it with them, please. We're, we're trying to get this channel to grow and um, we want to get this, this voice out there to help those people in the, in the trades world that, that need to hear this. Cause I would have loved to have this podcast when I was a kid. I think it would have really changed the scope of my life earlier instead of, you know, my later twenties, I would have been doing this in my, when I was in 18, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're the hosts of the show. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have known this five years ago, <laughs> you know, yeah, all this yeah. information. And we're not even, you know, we're not even old at all, but you know, we, we kind of still saved our careers a little bit, but how much greater it would have been to have a plan instead of just falling into it, you know? Absolutely. So please share it guys. We would, uh, We'd love for for your friends and your family to hear about all these great opportunities. We'd love to hear from you. If you guys have a a good story, you want to talk about your trade, we'd love love to have you on. If you're a lineman, maybe, we've talked about linemen a lot. We'd love to have you on. Reach out to us, welders, you know, any trade. There's there's other trades out there that people don't really know about and would love to hear about it. So just reach out to us and, and we'd love to have you on. We have a cool lineup, guys. Like I said, you know, we have that mechanic out in Georgia that works for waste management. We have an oil field guy in Texas, uh, like Connor's talked about. But please, like uh, like Connor's saying, just to echo that, you know, it's so cool to hear your guys' stories. I was on a on a plane the other day uh, from Denver to Salt Lake, and the dude I sat next to sucked for him because I'm so damn broad. But he had to sit forward because he couldn't fit in the middle seat. But uh, he was just like, "Dude, what do you do?" You know, I had my hard hat, and he's like what do you do? I saw your hard hat and uh, just started talking to him. And it's cool because he, you know, he works for a screen company uh, that makes these big industrial screens for the gravel companies uh, and concrete companies. And he was just talking about the podcast with me. And he said, dude, how cool is it that, you know, you can share our perspective. He's like, nobody wants to ever talk about, talk about us. You know, you just put your head down and go to work. But uh, that's why me and Connor are doing what we're doing. And we just really appreciate you guys. We appreciate all the support we've had. Uh, for these first, you know, month and a half, two months of getting podcasts out there. So thank you guys. And we'll see you next week. Thanks guys.